Welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast. Today we're light on news, but we got some love and thunder, a new Mission Impossible, and we get Gray Man. All this and everything else that happened this week in Geeks. Hello, I'm J-Law, but you can call me Justin, and if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek-Centric, a podcast celebrating the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geek-Centric. Joining me this week is one of my fellow geeks, while the other frolics in California for Star Wars Celebration, Kevin Hudson. How are you, buddy? Are you, are you, you feeling the FOMO? I, I'm feeling the FOMO right now. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, as if I didn't feel bad enough already because the last two weeks have just been crazy busy with my move that I've been doing. I mean, if, right. you're, if you're talking about gray men, you might as well be describing me. I have never felt older <laughs> in my life. <laughs> and I need some just for men touch up just for the sides here. I've, I've gone super gray in the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, even just... <laughs> You know, for, for Darcy and Nate to have flown out to California and on my Twitter, yes. I've got people who I follow. You know, it's the weirdest thing. I've got people who I follow for, like, baseball, and they'll be like, going to have mm-hmm. a weekend in in Anaheim. I'm going to catch some Jays games and, you know, a little Star Wars celebration. I'm going, oh, man, you're making this a weekend I wish I could be at for sure. I think it's going to be big this weekend, especially if the reveals are big. But I think the event, the fandom itself, the experience is going to be a very big event, as it should be. It's been over, what, it, it was delayed, I believe, two years, maybe even just a year of delays. Uh, but No, you know, they were they were originally diversity. going 2020 yeah. to this, so it's it's been years right. in the so making. It's been, it's, yeah. Oh, wow. So it's actually been two years. Wow, that's crazy. So two years. And they're they're off. So, uh, yeah, I, I I I have so much FOMO. We had such a good time there, um, and then the fact that it's in Anaheim and it's hop skip and a jump from Disneyland a park that I've never been to. I'm just I'm super jealous. But uh, we have some some excellent content to look forward to with Darcy and and Nate out there uh, in terms of just podcast stuff because we'll we'll probably do some coverage next week that'll probably be our this week in geek to be honest with you is is this week in star wars well yeah and i mean i think if we learned anything years ago was the second time is always better and so they both learned from when we went down and we weren't able to get into almost any of the panels and everything and so that's why i know darcy was like i'm doing the vip i'm i can shop and and do whatever on the floor that's fun but if I'm going all this way and there's going to be all these shows, I want to be in the audience. I want to be at these panels. And so I know if I ever go to a show like that again, you know, you spring the extra dough, you get the VIP pass, and you get to experience the, 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 the shows that make it special, you know. Yeah, make it worthwhile. And, you know, I think it, we were waiting to see what we were going to do in regards to Star Wars Celebration in 2020. And, you know, the pandemic hit, obviously, and changed all of that. But I think if it had been a thing then, we probably would have done it again. And we would have done it where, where we all just got VIP passes. Um, because, yeah, the, the, that lottery system that, that Star Wars Celebration runs, I think it's it's entirely fair. But it's also like it really hurts when you don't get it. But Nate got luck, had some luck this time. I think he's actually going to be in a majority of the of the good stages so he'll be able to actually enjoy what's being shared uh whether it's it's going to be shared generally i really do hope though that star wars celebration does share most of what they're going to show 
to the general audience, you know, they've, they've done streams on YouTube so that you can tune in. So hopefully they'll, they'll have something, but yeah, I'm excited to see what comes out from this, uh, this weekend. It's going to be, it's going to be. Well, and, and if not, we've got our two insiders. So either way, we'll be able to talk about lots of juicy oh, details yeah. next yeah, week. Yeah, we can live. Sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll be able to live vicariously through them. Um, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's get into the news. Cause we're, we're light on news this week. Uh, I have two stories for us, Kevin. Then I got some awesome trailers because this was a really great trailer week so let's get into the news it's all about the details all right our first news story uh daredevil's disney plus series is in the works with matt corman and chris ord set to write this is exclusive news uh from variety uh from joe otterson uh, a new Daredevil series is moving forward at Disney Plus with Variety having exclusively learned from sources that Matt Corman and Chris Ord are attached to write and executive produce. Rumors have persisted for some time that a Disney Plus series about the man without fear was in the works, especially considering that two of the stars of the Netflix Daredevil series, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, of course, have appeared in recent Marvel projects. It now appears, though, that the project is picking up steam with the hiring of Corman and Ord, although Marvel Marvel has yet to announce anything regarding the show formally. The reps for Corman and Ord uh, declined to comment. Marvel Studio reps also did not comment. Uh, but uh, have you heard of these these two uh, showrunners at all, Kev? Because because in the article it pointed out they they co-created uh, a USA Network series, Covert Affairs, starring uh, Piper Parabo. I, I don't know if I'm saying Piper that Parabo, right. Piper Parabo, yeah. Not. Yeah, Parabo and and Christopher Gorham, um, and the show aired for for five seasons on on basic cable for from twenty ten to twenty fourteen. That's a long run for that show. I'm I'm surprised I never heard of it. I, I haven't even looked it up. But um, any of the other works that that are called out in this article are you? You, have you seen? Uh, I mean, I know they co-produced uh, an NBC show called The Enemy Within, which maybe rings a bell. Uh, but you know, mm. it's, it's, it's a little bit of something like the CW series containment that worries me a little bit. That worries uh, me. USA yeah. Network is is not known for their top notch stuff for the most part. So for sure. uh, it's definitely an interesting, um, the, interesting uh, hiring in terms of the the writers and, and showrunners here. But I think they've got just such a terrific actor in Charlie Cox to to lead the way that I think they'll be able to do something with it. Fans. Fans have obviously wanted this for for years. I think the bigger question is how much of the Netflix show can we expect to, you know, is it is embraced, it canon at all? Will yeah. they will they be re referencing it at all? I'm very very curious to mm -hmm. see how they handle all of that going forward. Yeah, a lot of people are a little worried too about the whole Disney Plus kind of taking Daredevil on because if it's not going to feel like the same world. But now you're going to kind of like soup up uh, Daredevil because now he's in he's in the MCU. It might take away from what makes Daredevil really, really special. I'm, I am surprised that the original showrunners wouldn't have been somewhat involved uh, at this stage with with Matt Corman and, and Chris Ward. I, I, you know, all power to them. If they can tell the story, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to be able to do. But, you know, fans have been clamoring for Daredevil ever since the Netflix series was canceled in, in 2018. And the article points out as well that this 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 is going to be some time before we can actually get this series. Uh, Variety actually reported in, in 2018 that the deal with Netflix included a clause that prevented 
any characters from the Marvel Netflix shows from appearing in any non-Netflix project for two years after cancellation. Um, so even at this point, I think we've now reached that two years, obviously. Well, yeah, especially because we've seen the characters now the in characters. in, in uh, No Way Home and, and obviously the Hawkeye show. And I think... I think fans can almost look to Hawkeye for being the sort of not as epic Underdog. superhero, the the sort of more ground level. But you know, I think that's sort of the tone we're going to get with this show. But I do, I think uh, you'll be s- severely disappointed if you're hoping it's going to be tonally the same thing as the Netflix version. I don't think it's going to be that dark. I don't think it's going to be gritty. We've never seen anything in the MCU take on that sort of personality, and so. Maybe but this is that Daredevil. first. Maybe this is that yeah. first show. But I just, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't hold my breath to see that. It would be awesome because of how great that show was. It was really, yeah. you know, yes. aside from yeah. one season of um, Jessica Jones and you know, and you know, a couple episodes. Luke Cage was okay, but you know, that first season of Jessica Jones was amazing. But no, the Netflix, uh, you know, Daredevil really was the the peak of that, uh, especially with the introduction of Barenthal's Punisher and everything like that. For sure. I, th- I would say that the Netflix series, it, it defined Daredevil very much like how, you know, Batman or even the Dark Knight defined Batman. I'm definitely like, I'm intrigued because I, I think you called it out. Hawkeye is such a great show to consider. It was kind of the underdog. It, it really snuck in there and, and won my heart uh, towards the end of the year last year. Um and with its holiday theme being so so relevant so you know this could be some sort of like surprise and delight it'll be interesting to see if if echo we know that series is filming right now uh in in atlanta how maybe that might play into introducing charlie cox's daredevil in the mcu a little bit more as and actually as daredevil because we've only seen him as matt murdoch we haven't seen him as daredevil in the mcu yet so maybe that's where that happens and you know they branch off echo is going to have to involve D'Onofrio, Wilson Fisk in some capacity, right? So D'Onofrio will definitely be have a presence in that. Are show. you sure? Didn't we see? Didn't we hear him get shot though, Justin? Come on, it's up. It's it's up in the air. It's definitely up in the air. He could be dead, but I, most likely he's not. I you, think you don't we'll bring see someone back. Again. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, let's get into our next news story, and I I, I picked this news story because Kev, you're you're an SNL fan, and uh, I I am not necessarily as no, I wouldn't say diehard. Uh, um, SNL fan. Past weekend, Pete Davidson, Kate McKinnon say goodbye to SNL. This comes from Leslie Goldberg over at The Hollywood Reporter. Saturday Night Live's season 47 finale provided opportunities for departing cast members Pete Davidson, Kate McKinnon, A.D. Bright, and Kyle Mooney to make their final impressions as show regulars. And they did so in true SNL fashion and played up some classics. In the cold open, McKinnon reprised her fan favorite character, Miss Rafferty, who relived another alien encounter. And at the end of the segment, McKinnon headed into the UFO to leave Earth behind for good. And with her hand on her heart, McKinnon said, Well, Earth, I love you. Thanks for letting me stay a while. Live from New York, it's Saturday night. Sorry, I just, I wanted to keep that quote so I could say that on the podcast. Um, (laughs) Davidson returned to the Weekend Update desk and uh, that helped establish his voice uh, over the past eight seasons. And and during his farewell, uh, he he started out uh, with a reference uh, to his relationship with Kim Kardashian and her ex Kanye uh, by acknowledging that really at the end of the day, people are, millions of people only watch to see if Pete Davidson will bring up Kanye. 
he also made a crack about Will Smith from from this past year's uh, Oscars and, and praised producer Lauren Michaels for being just a great dude. Bryant appeared uh, as well on the Weekend Update as her trend forecaster opposite Bowen Yang. Among the trends that she deemed in were 10 nice years and my best guy kissing me, leading Yang and Michael Che to both kiss her on the cheek. In the night's finale sketch, Mooney, McKinnon, and Bryant all played aging hippies, and the characters ended uh, by singing Joni Mitchell's wistful 1966 tune, The Circle Game. So rumors of this were floating around, actually, for, for quite some time. Um, and given this, the longevity that these tenure characters have on SNL, Kev, like, I know you, you, you would tune in probably weekly to, to watch the show, if, if I'm not mistaken, right? And uh, yeah, like, do you, do you think that they're going to be missed? Because a lot of people are saying it, it's kind of time because there's a, a larger cast and they can move on and, and do the next things that they want to do. I mean, it, it, it's really interesting because so many cast members over the last three or four years have sort of stepped away. You know, uh, I'd say the biggest to come out of that group so far is is Jason Sudeikis, obviously, going on to have his right. success with Ted Lasso. I really liked Beck Bennett. Uh, he was probably my favorite regular for, for a few years there. Um and and then I think you know of the the four uh, cast members to leave, McKinnon has the biggest role on the show and plays some of the more iconic characters. Her her portrayal of Rudy Giuliani as a Nosferatu oh. style vampire is incredible. <laughs> so that will certainly be missed. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's it's it, it's interesting. I mean, Keenan Thompson's clearly just never going to leave. Um, I think weekend update is 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 you know they have their strongest cast that they've had in a long time with uh, Michael Che and and Colin Jost. Um and Pete Davidson is so funny. I don't know how much I'll miss him from the show just cuz he really only did appear in a sketch every couple weeks and then every once in a while he'd come on weekend update and I mean it was interesting cuz he would just be himself. He wasn't playing a character like most people are. He was just kind of like here here's who I am. This is what's going on in my life and what I think about it right now. Uh, so that honesty was certainly refreshing. Um, but yeah, it is certainly the biggest cast they've ever had that I've ever seen them have. And so it was interesting to see who was not getting enough screen time to really make a difference. And so maybe, you know, with some bigger, more recognized names stepping out, it lets the new the new cast members sort of shine uh, going forward. And so that's always a good thing if we can get new voices on the show to keep it as fresh as possible. Yeah, and that's that's the thing about SNL, it is it is very much a cycle. Like people come there and build their careers and, and build their practice in SNL. It's 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 a community of comedians that are, are obviously having fun and doing doing what it is. It's it's kept that sort of sketch comedy um motif alive over over many, many years. You know, again, I, I think Kate McKinnon is obviously I'm seeing her more in movies and she's doing more. So it makes sense for her for her to give a give it a go and say and say goodbye. Um Pete Davidson is is obviously, as you said, Kevin, he's just himself, right? That's that's kind of it. And it's interesting how SNL kind of a diverse sort of sense of of different kind of comedic actors, where a Pete Davidson could work because he's very millennial, and you just interject him in these skits, and he is just who he is. Uh, but then you also have people that are really embraced doing impress impressions and characterizations and and so on and so forth. So he's he's definitely the odd one. He's obviously stepping and doing more. Uh, in in movies, or maybe he's right. Maybe it's just the fact that he's with Kim Kardashian that his name is just sprayed everywhere. 
right? <laughs> Not necessarily familiar with the other two uh, as as actors, but I I I think the the one thing that you were were pointing out that was really great is that this just needs to be a a cycle. This you know it's the next step for these actors. It's the next step for the next generation that still are there for them to kind of have their voice and their time. So I think it's it's a smart idea. Yeah, I mean, you can only do so much with that before, you know, you, you take a chance and you go off on your own. And and I think the show uh, is in good hands. I mean, you still got showrunner, like I said, Colin Jost in there. But you've got Mikey Day, Chloe Fineman, Heidi Gardner is really making a name for herself. Uh, Alex Moffat's always really, really solid. Chris Red is terrific. Uh, you know, Cecily Strong is kind of now outside of uh, Keenan Thompson, sort of that really big anchor name that's been there for years and and did a lot in terms of show running and everything like that. Uh, but then they've also got the best uh, Trump impersonator on the planet in James Austin Johnson, who who made his debut this season. And not only does he do just the best Trump you'll ever see, but any character he's played, he's really, really good at it. So I'm excited to see if he sort of oh, gets cool. to branch out a bit more. Out. Oh, you got to check out. If you haven't seen his Trump yet, it is just the most mind boggling thing oh, ever. Well, I'll have to check that out later. Um, but well, that's it. Two new stories, very light. Um, I really just want to talk about these trailers. So, uh, you know, Kev, <laughs> why don't you uh, cue up that banjo? Because uh... it's trailer time. All right, it has been a week full of trailers. Uh, some much anticipated trailers that we've we've been uh, looking forward to, and this first one I am very excited to talk about. This is for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, directed by Christopher McQuarrie, starring Tom Cruise, Haley Atwell, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby, Palm Clementif, Simon Pegg, Issa Morales, Vig Rames, and Henry Cherney. This is the seventh entry in the long-running. Mission Impossible series, and it is expected to release uh, July 14th. Get this, 2023. So, like, still over another year. And I find it funny that we were, but I find it funny that we're going back and forth over what names maybe to include in in terms of the cast list when this movie has one of the most ridiculous names of all time. You know, it's got a double colon oh, oh, yeah. in there. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think that the name is. I, I was saying to to Nate. I think it was in another this week in Geek episode that um, it feels very Bond esque. Like it's really pushing like that sort of spy um, motif. I, I love that the entire trailer is void of any sort of sound effects. It's it's literally just music, and it it actually really does feel like uh, they're going to be revisiting the first one, the very first movie that kind of set it up. Like even the way Ethan Hunt looks like Tom Cruise's character, he looks very similar to, to the way he looks in the first one. And even the fact that Henry Cherney is, is, is featured in this trailer. He, he was uh, also in the first movie and he plays a pivotal role. Um, So, you know, again, everything feels very much like they're going to be taking it back um, and, and, uh, I, I definitely, after watching this trailer and I know a lot of people have, they've been going back and rewatching them all. And I'm like, yeah, I, I want to go back. I and am watch. 100% I go back and and going one. and doing a yeah. full rewatch because, you know, it's crazy to <laughs> yeah. think it's been almost 30 years since the first movie. Like that is absolute insanity. And so the fact that Tom's still doing this and, and not just 
at a similar level. He's pushed himself further and He's further elevated every sure. single year. Sure. Um, but the, it, the story does sort of, I don't know if it blends a little bit. All the movies sort of blend together into just, I sort of just have one memory of, of little moments, but I'm not, I couldn't tell you what movie they're from. Um, I mean, I think, I think, you know, you can sort of differentiate Obviously, I think the first three is their very three separate yes. different movies. But yes. ever since Ghost Protocol, with the same team sort of in place, it all really blends together. So I am looking forward to going and getting getting those nuances of the story and those little intricate details, which I think build over the first six installments here, uh, just to sort of remember where this group of, of, of spies has come from and how they got here. Yeah. It's uh, it, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and if there's, if there's anything that we've, we've come to learn about Tom Cruise is that this man, he loves to, to sell run. a movie. And well, and he loves to run. He, he loves to, <laughs> he loves, he loves to run. Of course. We, we all know that, but I don't know, like, you know, we're, we're going to go see at the time of recording this tomorrow, which would be Thursday. We're going to go see uh top gun, which stars Tom Cruise and what that movie is being touted about doing for for the in theater experience alone you know that Tom Cruise has come such a long way and he's done a range of movies and proven that he is an outstanding actor that can do anything but now he's he's getting into just the experience the in theater experience is so important to him and he's really selling that about himself it's almost like he's finding another avenue of filmmaking to get into so that maybe he doesn't need to act as much and maybe his knees can take a bit of a rest from all the running <laughs> well there you go well and i think i know how he takes that rest and that's by going to every single movie that he possibly can. Um, I'm going to sneak in a third news story here that we could definitely talk about as it's very relevant. Uh, Brendan Klein from Screen Rant, uh, Screen Rant writes that Tom Cruise apparently sneaks into theaters to see every movie that comes out. He'll wear a hat, he'll wear a little disguise, and he go he just is the biggest fan in the world of that theater-going experience. And so, like you were saying with movies like Top Gun, like the Mission Impossible films always are, he is always trying to elevate that experience, not to pad his wallet because he doesn't need, he could never get paid again and, you know, be set for for uh, a, a thousand more years of him acting and, and doing uh, these right. movies. Like he looks like he's somehow, like he's immortal. Um, but no, I think he's just a super fan of the movies and wants to give that yeah. experience to fans. And that's awesome, you know? Yeah. So many people yeah. probably he's, don't even... Yeah know what movies are coming out next month let alone going to see every single one just to get that experience and watch movies with people in in theaters so that's i think that's really awesome well that's the best research you could really do uh, at the same time right is 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 go to these movies and and watch how people react to things and and also say oh wow that was a really great moment do you know what I mean? Or, you know, oh, I really liked what this filmmaker did. Maybe we can try and make a movie with him, right? Like if you imagine you got Christopher Nolan and Tom Cruise together. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but who knows what sort of magic could be made in in, in some capacity uh, through a movie like that. But uh, regardless, this was a trailer that people were clamoring for. It actually leaked on the Internet and in high definition, everything. Um, I didn't repost it, but I did have it spoiled for me so i already i did watch it before it released uh, this past monday um but yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm very excited for what they seem to be hinting at a, a sort of taking it way back to the to the to the first movie uh brian de palma's movie which 
rightfully so is so different because you, you called it out kevin the first three movies are so different from one another the each filmmaker that took that on approached it differently you have brian de palma who did the first one john woo who did the second one and jj abrams who did the third one who really did kick the franchise off that that's their starting point for four five and six was number three so it is integral it's kind of the first one of the new stories that they that they told whereas you know here now we're we're seeing more of a robust story to ethan hunt that that is going to be rewarding um and it's going to be very much tied to what we've already seen they're going to be able to canonize the other two in small ways to to make it still relevant and that it still hits because I, I don't know they're in my mind even though they're done by same filmmakers it's the same ethan hunt right so he's he is the constant in in all of them absolutely and i mean it's crazy that this was one of the movies that as the pandemic started, we were getting stories out of Tom Cruise trying to keep the cast and crew safe so that everyone could keep working. And now it's still over another year until it comes out. Uh, I remember when we got our first glimpses of the big stunt from this one where he rides the motorcycle off of the big wood ramp. And so to finally yeah. see that in the trailer and they've CGI'd yeah. out the ramp and replaced it with just a rocky cliff face, whatever it is. I mean, it's like, come on, let's get here, you know, because and then I don't think we'll get the OK, if they do not call this next movie Mission Impossible. Uh, what do we got here? What do we got here? I want Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part Two, the final mission. Like, just add a third colon in there. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> but that won't come out for another three or four years at this rate. And, and Tom will be but up and is filming in space by then. So. Well, I, who knows? Yeah, that's that's also that's also very true. He has that movie that's supposed to come out. So, and again, we talked about in that when we when we referenced that news story in the past, that makes sense for Tom Cruise to want to be invested in a project like that. It's going to change in theater experience of seeing space in 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 that way. It's going to be IMAX. It's going to be stunning. It's going to be interesting to see. But yes, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. July 14th, 2023. I am very excited for this one. But, uh, you know, of the amazing trailers, this was only one of the three. Let's get into the second one here. And so our next trailer uh, is for Netflix's The Gray Man, directed by the Rousseau Brothers, starring Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Ana de Armas, Billy Bob Thornton, Jessica Henwick. When the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets a psychopath former colleague puts a bounty on his head setting off a global manhunt by international assassins people have been looking forward to this one just because of the cast um and i don't think this trailer disappoints i'm i'm very intrigued to see what this is all about um it it has two two actors that i don't think they've played opposite each other ryan gosling and and chris evans and they've They've, they've both had their own paths of, of stardom, and it's interesting to see how them showing up here as, as sort of a, a face-off situation. But, uh, Kev, what, what did you think of this trailer? You look at that synopsis and, you know, just sort of describing it. Oh, another CIA assassin movie. It just sounds super generic, but this trailer just makes it look like it's so much more elevated than that. It looks like a high-quality you know, uh, you know. Um, now you're moving into your born identity sort of levels of CIA thrillers, where the action's terrific, the acting is amazing. I mean, just getting to see Chris Evans be a bad guy, at least from this trailer, that's what it looks like. That's so fun, considering he's just, 
you know, the the ultimate good guy and has been for the last 10 years. To see him play something opposite to that is is such a, an exciting prospect. Well, yeah, because, you know, Knives Out was definitely a hint at him being more of a villain after being, you know, being Captain America. And now here it looks like he is definitely more of a villain. Um, yeah, the action looks great. And, and I am interested in seeing Ryan Gosling and, and, and Chris Evans face off. Um, but I got to say, I'm, I am super stoked about Ana de Armas being in this movie, especially uh, after how stunning she was in No Time to Die uh, for the short amount of time that we got her in that movie. Um, she should be arrested. She's an absolute scene stealer. She's yeah, absolutely for sure. And the way she's she's really committing to actually doing her own stunts and and learning and and she's you know shared a lot of that online. Her her sort of how she's gone through the process of becoming more action oriented in her her performances. And she acts so well after Knives Out. You had Knives Out where you really got to see her acting chops, and then you have No Time to Die where she then takes that acting chops and then infuses this action oriented she's like she's perfect man she's gonna kill it in this movie i hope she's hope she's front and center well plus i mean you have the the russo brothers coming back to what looks very much like a you know almost their roots for mainstream filmmaking in terms of captain america the winter soldier and that more you know just you know grounded a little bit more grounded compared to how big their marvel films got yes. over the next few years uh i was gonna say man it's their first movie since endgame although apparently they directed uh, a tom holland flick cherry cherry yeah. that uh, did not get reviewed well i'd never did even heard of it well. so yeah. i'm just gonna still pretend that it's their first movie since uh endgame and i'm very excited just to see them you know back behind the lens back behind the camera yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for that. Also, just you know, rounding out the cast here, we got Billy Bob Thornton. That's a surprise and delight. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see him. What he's gonna, what he's gonna play. He seems like he's gonna play the, the, the sort of. I'm, I'm gonna use a reference here that if you've seen the Batman, you'll get it. The James Gordon, uh, very much the, the person that I don't know if he's the enemy. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. But uh, the, another surprise here was Jessica Henwick. Who uh, is is she's coming in? She was from we. She was great. She was the best part of Matrix Four. Uh, what was that one called? Matrix. Um, Matrix. Please don't make any more. No, uh, Resurrections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was the best part of Matrix Resurrection, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see how she's going to round it. I think she'll probably. She seems like she could play a villain in this one. Maybe she goes up against Ana de Armas. You know, um, in a movie like yeah, this, this one... two or three people are going to switch sides, and you know, it'll all be the big who done it, who's responsible sort of. Th that's the CIA trope to a T, and so it'll be interesting to see who who's actually bad and who's actually good. And good on Netflix for investing in this. Then God knows they're taking money out of animation, but if you know they're producing these kind of movies, then. I don't know. Well, well, we'll because we'll th this was supposed to be a big year for them, right? When we looked at that that Sizzler reel at the beginning of the year, we thought, "Wow, there's some there's some solid looking movies in there." And and I think they've been really hit or miss with that. But this might be their first, tr you know, true blue certified, you know, crowd pleasing, just critically reviewed, well hit. I'm I'm I'd be really happy for them. To I'm see hoping. That. Yeah. I'm hoping for it. So, um, so we don't have to wait long actually to 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 see this one. It's 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 hitting Netflix July twenty second, twenty twenty two. But there is an in theater release, if I'm not mistaken, that is going to be happening July fifteenth. It's sort of a short stint 
which I think is good. You're hitting it. You're hitting the middle of July. You know, it's a summer movie. I think people will check this out a hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, if it does well and word of mouth gets out in that first week, st- keep it around and give people the option. Cause there are still fans out there, you know, <clears throat> myself or a guy very Tom much Cruise like myself. He's going to need to see this movie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so, you know, if there are some people who do just genuinely like to see things in theaters. And so why not have both options? Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Hopefully the week that they have this in theaters, uh, Tom Cruise won't be too busy. So he'll be able to actually check it out. Uh, okay. Let's move into our last trailer. This one is for Marvel Studios Thor Love and Thunder directed by Taika Waititi, uh, starring Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, Taika Waititi, Christian Bale, Russell Crowe, and the entire cast of Guardians by the looks of it. It looks like everyone's there. Um, The synopsis, Thor enlists the help of Valkyrie Korg and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster to fight Gore, the God Butcher, who intends to make the gods extinct. We got our first look at Gore, the God Butcher, Hallelujah. This this trailer slaps, man. And I remember when we were reacting to the uh, teaser trailer, um, I was saying the teaser trailer is, is all about Thor. This is 100% about the love and thunder. I'm very excited to see what this movie's about. Uh, what about yourself, Kev? What did you think of this trailer? Uh, yeah, no, it looks it looks awesome. Um, I mean, I'm not a comic guy, so I, I, I still don't know how I feel about Gore not looking like his comic counterpoint. Um, I, I can leave that to people who would know more about the comics, perhaps. Um, but that is, I mean, he Christian Bale still looks like he's going to bring just just some poetic menace to this character. It it really does look almost. It's like it's right out of a, the Coen Brothers Macbeth sort of his scenes, just the way they're filmed in almost black yeah. and white and everything like that. I was getting crazy vibes. So that my theory around that is that because he is the God Killer and gods probably insinuate life in you know and and color that he is very much in this sort of black and white world. Um, some of the visuals look overly, overly Mad Max Fury Road. It's it's overly colorful. And then you have these scenes juxtaposed with those color, with, with gore in, in black and white. And he is going to be the bringer of death and darkness. And I think that it's going to have sort of a an effect on how, how we maybe perceive the world or how the world gets changed. But some amazing shots of him with this sword in a planet, like, and just the explosion in and around him, like, the, just, just that little moment in that teaser. Um, I enjoy his look. I think that this, the look for Gore the God Butcher works. I'm glad that they didn't go CGI and take away from his face. Um, I know that CGI has gotten a lot better, but, you know, when you bring someone like Christian Bale into a movie uh, who can act, uh, I think... I think the best thing is to let him act and, see, and kind of lean into. See, to, I keep hearing that, but did that affect look. Josh Brolin at all? Did that affect Josh Brolin's no. performance as Thanos at all? You know, and they were no. able to combine no. sort of a comic look with his own mannerisms. Um, you know, uh, I don't think it impacts any emotional or comedic resonance that Taika Waititi can bring to Cork, and he's basically completely CGI there. I just wonder if you couldn't he effect, CGI, like yeah. he is basically just bald and you know white painted skin. It, that's all it really yeah. is, you know. So, but again, uh, I think the second this movie starts and his performance is on the screen, I won't care what he looks like. Just that he's there and sounds like one of the most badass 
villains we've ever had in a Marvel movie, you know. Just walking sure. around with that with yeah. sword of death saying all gods must die. It sounds pretty pretty badass if you ask me. Yeah, for sure. And I think Taika Waititi actually went on the record uh, of saying that he is he, he's blessed to have uh, probably the best villain in the MCU in his movie. So I think that that says a lot about the performance that we are going to get from from Christian Bale. But um, this this movie looks like it's going to have a lot of vibrancy, a lot of fun, especially with the way that last little stinger on the teaser, you know, some naked Hemsworth for everyone to to bask in. It's the, it's the sense of humor you would expect from from Taika Waititi as just that sort of ending there to remind you that it is a Taika Waititi movie. Um, and and also that like Chris a, Hemsworth can piss right off because like that body must be CGI. That doesn't even look physically possible. <laughs> My God. Unbelievable. He went, yeah, from, from what? From dad bod to god bod indeed. <laughs> Thor's always been my guy, so Thor's always been my guy. Um, but I think this might be our our swan song for him as well. Unfortunately, um, yeah, a lot of people have been saying that. I, know. I I'm, I'm, it does look like as well too. We have we have Jane Foster, who's who's. It seems like she's very comfortable being Mighty Thor, and Tessa Thompson, who you know, King of Valkyrie. It's going to be interesting to see if this is the swan song for Thor. You know, I, I think that it'll be interesting to see how they rotate in uh, King Valkyrie and and you know Jane Foster, or Mighty Thor, to kind of maybe pseudo replace him. But I don't know. Are they really going to do that? Like, does it does it feel like that? I, I wasn't getting those vibes. I guess the biggest thing that people were calling out is Korg recanting the story is almost a, a, in sort of a past tense. Oh, that's right? almost like uh, it's almost very three hundred, if yeah. you will. Right, right. talking about yeah. the bravery, and you find out that at the end he's he's telling it after they've they've died. Interesting, interesting. I don't yeah. know. I know the geek centric uh, Twitter account shared a really cool picture, and it was the you know our old heroes and our new heroes, and we see how everyone is you know sort of stepping back from the the, the original Avenger days into into this new group of heroes. I mean, we're in good hands if if we are going to lose another one here, but uh, I, I'd hate to see it personally. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that I don't know. Like, there's there's also been talks that he could he would be coming back. Like, he's he's up for coming back. So it's like at this point, it's really up to Hemsworth, right? If he if he wants to go, they they could keep Thor around, and and he's kind of more background. And when he comes in, it's a big deal, rather than you know a movie for you know every two years that he's he's committed to having to do. It really does depend on what his goals are with with the character because at this point he's pretty much defined it and based on what we've seen already someone like Mark Ruffalo is down to do these movies but he's obviously not taking massive front stage you know She-Hulk will obviously have him a little bit more centered but he's been more ancillary in background right so well and even more so Thor is the perfect character that he doesn't he he, you know he doesn't have to be centralized on earth so we can go off do some Asgardian stuff or I guess not with Asgard itself but you know he can be that space viking do some stuff uh you know off earth and then come back when 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 we need him the most so I I wonder if too it's it's going to be interesting if if Jane Foster as as mighty Thor is what really convinces Thor to lay down his hammer and retire. Do you know what I mean? If it's like, oh, the world's fine. Do you know what I mean? They have mighty Thor. You know, he feels kind of at peace with that. See, so, you keep making it sound it, like it's, it's going to be a choice. I don't know if, <laughs> if Gore is going to let it even be a choice, man. And what, what better way to set up, you know, this villain being 
that awful and that bad and that scary and that intimidating than to take down one of our favorites, one of the mightiest heroes we've known. Only time will tell uh, because that one's hitting theaters July 8th, 2022. So look out for some coverage on that. That's for sure. Well, that is it for our trailers. Um, but before we wrap up this week in Geek, I thought we could close things out with uh, a little what you. Uh, so, Kev, what you been up to? What you been listening to? Is there anything that they should be watching or playing, reading? Uh, well, it's interesting that we talked earlier in the, the, the show about Saturday Night Live because I've been catching mm. up and, and diving into a different uh, sketch comedy show altogether. Uh, Amazon Prime recently reintroduced the world to the kids in the hall. Um, and so it's kind of twofold in that uh, I watched both the documentary movie about sort of their rise to fame and how that all came together, uh, as well as right. the eight-episode uh, reboot of the, the kids in the hall show. And, I mean, it was super nostalgic. I mean, as soon as that guitar riff hits, I think every Canadian especially from our generation and around there, you know, bow, wow, 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 you know, that, that really brought back, but uh, I don't know if I was too young or it's just not my kind of humor, but I, I never got all that into the kids in the hall. They were, they were a bit, almost, they wow. were a bit too much for me. They were, uh, maybe, uh, I don't, I, I just can't put my finger on quite what it was that I never connected with. Well, I would. I think I would attribute it to, and you're an SNL fan, and I think the cleverness that SNL has is completely lacking in Kids of the Hall because they're they're very absurd sometimes. They're very like there's there's probably a, a moments of craftiness, but I think that they are more of like again the kids in the hall. That's why they're kind of called that. They're they're that sort of slapsticky, goofy. They they really lean into their their sort of characteristic portrayals very monty python if you will too i think that's that's also kind of like that but even monty python was kind of that that balance of of both uh clever and and you know just dry british it, humor yeah, and, and mean, slapsticky yeah the you know kids I mean? the kids are loud they're brash they're you know absurdist yeah. comedy is a great way to put it but i mean uh going to to the it's called the kids in the hall comedy punks it's a great little two-part documentary series it was fascinating yeah, as hell uh, it was so cool to yeah. see how Lorne Michaels was responsible for sort of helping them get their name out there and get their first big break on HBO. And yeah. just listening to all the, the the famous comedians that came on to say how important the kids in the hall were to them in the end of the 80s, early 90s. Fred Armisen, Jay Baruchel, uh, Janine Garofalo, Mae Martin. And it just, the list goes on and on of these, you know, Eddie Izzard, just these comedians who absolutely revere these wow. guys as comedic geniuses. And so I kind of look at like a Gilbert Gottfried and 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 his sort of, you know, take on on certain jokes like um, the aristocrats and that it just never it always sort of buzzed over my head. And it's taken me even a long time into uh, into Norm Macdonald. I always I never understood where his humor was, but it's only recently that I've gone back and started to really appreciate it. So I was kind of hoping that that would happen for me here, and it, it just didn't quite. But I will say, if you were a fan of the show in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, I think people will absolutely love this. It'll be amazing for them to uh, to get their, their kids back in the hall. Um, and I mean, I know the show did a lot, especially for, for um, gay comedic performances. 
Uh, Scott Thompson was was a huge role model in the community, and so it was. It's really just it was fascinating watching the story. I appreciated that much, and and how they sort of got their fame and worked their asses off, you know, blood, sweat, and tears to to earn their shot and and make the most of it. So no, definitely a cool story worth checking out. And again, if you're a fan of the original, this is another eight episodes that you're absolutely gonna love. Yeah, awesome, awesome, yeah. Um... For myself, honestly, it has. I've been pretty busy with life as it is and uh, work and so on and so forth. But I did get a chance to uh, actually go to a screening recently uh, to see the Bob's Burgers movie, which is hitting theaters this weekend, uh, which is hitting theaters May 27th. Um, and I actually posted just a, a small solo review, uh, kind of talking about it. It was, it, it was really good. I actually really enjoyed it, but I think it's for Bob's Burgers fans. Like, I don't know if, if you're not a fan of Bob's Burgers, then you're not going to enjoy this movie. It's, it's this it's isn't going to convert anybody. Eh? Version. Exactly. No, I, it won't, it won't convert anyone. But the other thing too, is that if you don't know anything about Bob's Burgers, this movie might be a bit of a surprise and delight. But if you're already someone who's like, oh, yeah, I'm not really crazy about that show, then you're not going to go see a movie for it. The movie's long. The movie's, the movie's definitely, it's longer than it needs to be. But you're there to see the characters and, and the story and, and the, the, the way that the movie is enhanced for, uh, for the big screen. In, in the review, I, I talk about the cinematic treatment. Go listen to that. It's up right now. Uh, you, you can take a listen and, and, and see, see what, I, what I'm talking about. But the idea of how they made Bob's Burgers fit into the big screen, it's, it's great. It didn't lose any of itself. It just it was amped up and it was amplified. Well, and I know you just posted it uh, both on the pod, anywhere you can listen to podcasts and uh, on the YouTube. So I'm definitely, I'm looking forward to checking out your review. We've never done a solo uh, review before, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. Plus, I'm, I'm excited to see if you, you sway me to check it out just based on your thoughts on it. I'm definitely, I'm going to go give that a listen and, and see if you convince I, me. Well, no, but I, I honestly think, though, that you, you, you again, I don't, I, I know that you don't like necessarily are a fan of that sort of style of comedy or, or what Bob's Burgers does, right? I, 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 and I talk about that. I think that there's there's different levels. And where Bob's Burgers sits is kind of in that weird, quirky, obscure comedy, which is so refreshing from everything else that we, we get usually from these mature animated shows, which most of the time is overtly tries to be offensive and in your face and brash. And there's a, there's another layer to, to what Bob's burgers does. So it's a good time. It's, it's definitely worth checking out. And it, it actually feels like a summer movie. It, it adopts that tradition of being a summer adventure movie. It could have been in the fall too, but it's, you know, end of beginning of summer, end of, end of uh, summer would have, would have, this movie would have hit, but yeah, it was a good time. Definitely go check out that review. It's live now. But that is it for This Week in Geek. Thank you for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and please leave us a glowing review. We'd love to know your thoughts and we always appreciate the love. You can also reach out to us and ask us any questions you have about any of the news or trailers shared today or anything of any sorts that we cover. Uh, to do so, well, you can reach out to us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's not enough love and thunder for you, well, then you can hit us up on Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at WeAreGeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering a variety of other content, such as our spoiler-free review for Stranger Things 4, Volume 1, 
where we get back into the Upside Down and talk about the fantastic new season ahead of its release this Friday, May 27th. So if you are wanting to hear our thoughts, we are so spoiler free on that. Should be good to go and set you up for for season four. This is a crazy weekend for people, man. There is a lot of stuff you know, coming your way. You could, you could never, you could never claim to be bored, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it is a great time to be enjoying content. Uh, Also, we have our spoiler free and spoiler filled reviews for Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. Plus, yeah, we'll, we'll keep touting about this one, our interview with Michael Waldron and director Sam Raimi, because that was a pretty surreal experience. So it's also available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash geek centric. Um, also, we have a ton of new content on the way. Kevin, you mentioned it. This weekend's nuts. Obi-Wan Kenobi drops two episodes on Friday. Uh, so you know we'll be starting a watch club, our week-to-week breakdown of Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's going to be a good time. The first two episodes are going to be hosted by me, uh, which will be very different from anything that you might have experienced with any of our other watch clubs because it's not going to be the same. I'm going to kick things off for the first two episodes and Nate's going to be jumping in uh, for the rest of the the watch club for that. And then also later in a, like almost 10 days after this, I think we're going to be getting Ms. Marvel as well on June 8th. So another watch club starting up. We may we may do another watch club for the boys. We, we really got to look at that and figure out how that's going to work. So, uh, But until then, Kev, thanks for joining me for This Week in Geek. And as we say, get home safe, guys. Peace.